Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. All these books, volumes one through nine, are available at Amazon in paperback and ebook and at Audible volumes 1 through 8 in audio format Audible iTunes and Amazon you can pick them up at and without any further ado let me introduce you to my brother and co-host KJ Sheehan Kev how are you I'm doing great Bill I mean the good news is Last night, I watched the old Rankin-Bass Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer special, and the and the extra good news is I no longer sound like Rudolph with the mud on his nose. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike the yeah. last podcast that we recorded. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty, uh, that was spot on to listen. You know, I'm, I'm uh, kind of saddened. If I knew that was on, I would have... Uh, did you have like a DVD of it or some a DVR or what'd you have? No, we were just flipping through <laughs> flipping through the channels and it was on. So it's like uh-huh. if that comes on, you got to stick with it. You know, when it's the middle of December, coming up on Christmas, and you see Rudolph, you're like, all right, we got to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> I always get a kick out of that. You know, it was such a a, a one shot deal. Uh, definitely a classic animation. You know. Absolutely. And Yukon Cornelius, I didn't realize that he's carrying a big revolver in his in his belt, <laughs> like a forty four Magnum or something. Yeah. Nickel plated. Yeah. With like a, <laughs> you know, a antler antler based handle. Yeah. There's a dude that had respect for the abominable snowman. <laughs> no doubt. Super cool. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need, Cornelius. <laughs> you got Cornelius! <laughs> Did you know Bumble's bounce? <laughs> oh, that was classic, you know. Yeah, next time you see it, check out what he's got tucked in through his waistband there. Like, whoa! Yeah, you know, I, I was watching uh, an episode of American Pickers one day, Kev. Oh, yeah. I like that and, show. And... Uh, they ran across some dude that had a couple of pieces from that animation. Oh, and I'm like talking, the real deal. Yeah, and I was shocked when I saw that because, you know, those creatures, those little Rudolphs and Cornelius and the Bumble, the reindeers were like three inches tall. Oh, wow. And, yeah, I mean, these were little things that they were posing and moving around with close-ups on camera shots. I guess on some tabletop or something. Yeah. And uh, really remarkable. That whole thing with Burl Lives in the beginning. Now, all the young people, nobody knows who Burl Lives is, but he did the songs and he was the voice oh, in the background. Cool. Yeah, he was. Yeah. A, that was spot on, man. A total classic. By the way, but I this, didn't tell you, but I have an eight foot tall, abominable snowman inflatable up in a river birch tree in my front yard. Nice. 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 And speaking of total classics, this podcast is a classic. (laughs) So before we get into uh, cryptids and other oddities in the news, I got to tell you a little story, Bill, that I didn't share with you. So hot off the presses. So Uh I'm out this afternoon, uh, and it's a chilly day here in North Carolina, and I'm out (coughs) near a town called Pittsburgh, 
North Carolina. Pretty rural, but not rural like British Columbia rural. And um, uh, I meet these two guys. They want to play golf. I don't know them real well. And I haven't played golf in like six months. But I'm like, hey, the sun's out. If I could go play golf rather than do chores around the house, I'm going to play golf. (laughs) (laughs) We're out there and we're trying to squeeze in 18 holes. We go out in the afternoon because it's cheaper, you know. And it's it's sunny, but the sun sets now at like five o'clock here, so you don't have yep. much time if you go out in the afternoon. And the sun's going down. We can probably play one more hole before the sun's all the way down. And we hear this like unbelievable howl scream, like three times in the no woods. No kidding. No kidding. And now these wow. houses around there and stuff. But the guy, one of the guys I'm with, he's standing next to me, and he's like. That sounds like a Bigfoot. And the guy doesn't know that I do a podcast on Bigfoot. And I was thinking the same thing, Bill. I was like, holy crap, that wasn't a coyote. That wasn't a bear. Like, that sounded like a Bigfoot. And this guy next to me goes, hey, Kev, that sounded like a Bigfoot. <laughs> hey, so man. I, what, what, what do you make of that? I mean, either it's a Bigfoot. Or, you know, maybe somebody's got like a crazy recording that they're playing through a speaker or something. I don't know. To what end? Well, I mean, there's houses around there. It's like, you know, it's it's country setting. I mean, maybe somebody's horsing around, but I never heard anything like this. There's no way it was anything, uh, you know, any other animal that lived in that region. Yeah. Yeah, that'll get your attention, man. And you know, see, why is it? Now, I get it, Kev. I mean, believe I'm, I'm, I'm kind of being devil's advocate here. Yeah. But why, why is it? Do we always have to question that it couldn't be what we think it is, which is a Bigfoot? Yeah. What I mean, the, you know, it, I mean, I only say it because there are houses around there. You know what I mean? So it could be somebody horsing around. But if I was, you know. In Wyoming or Utah or, you know, uh, Oregon, Washington State, I'd be like, whoa, that's a Bigfoot. So I only question it because there are houses around there and stuff like that. But it was really loud and really weird. And it was three times within like uh, three or four minutes. Yeah. And, you know, I stand my ground, even in, in reference to what you just said. So many accounts are of people who live in uh, houses with other houses, maybe not on top of each other, but in the area, in the neighborhood. They have recordings. They hear things at night. They hear things during the day. Uh, it sounds to me like you you heard a Bigfoot over there. Yeah, could be. I'm not I mean, buying again, into the guy. No, you know, I mean, again, I've, I know what a lot of the animals sound like that are out there in the world. Yeah. This was nothing I've ever heard before. Yeah, I mean, what are the odds that somebody's got a Marshall stack amp out there and he's <laughs> running through with some kind of Bigfoot recording in the middle of the late afternoon down there? I, I, I'm not buying that more than you heard a Bigfoot. Well, you're making a good argument because if you did have the Marshall stack set up and you did the Bigfoot broadcast, you probably would have followed it up with a little Sabbath Iron Man or something. (laughs) (laughs) I am Iron Man. (laughs) I mean, if you got the whole setup going, why not do something else, too? Yeah, if you're going to do it, you know. Well, that... I mean, that is exciting. I mean, really legitimately exciting to me. It was cool, and it was pretty dark. You know, we were laughing at one another that we were trying to play one more hole because, you know, it was one of those, and you've done it, Bill, where you hit the ball off the tee and you can't even see it. Like, you have no idea if it went to the right, left, down the middle, or behind you, you know. Yeah, and listen, Kev, look, we've got accounts here of – People living on properties and Bigfoot going in their barn or looking in their windows. What does it oh, matter no. that there's houses around? I guess so, yeah. yeah. You know, people find them walking around their house, the account of the dog thrown up on the roof, the guy getting his venison ripped out of his meat locker in the barn behind their house. Yeah. I mean, I got the beekeeper, the this one, the that one, the this one. I mean, it's hundreds of them 
where these things were roaming. How about the guy in New Jersey whose sausages got taken off the platter next to his deck? <laughs> I mean, how's this? The guy, who's, the guy whose dog was ripped off the chain and they found the oh, footprint in the mud. I remember that one. The chains and that there was a, broken. Yeah. Yeah, that was a residential neighborhood per se. Yeah, don't don't I tell mean, Martha about that one. Oh, I'm just saying that these these <laughs> creatures have no respect. I mean, you know, uh, no. it seems to me that they're getting pretty used to uh, being around humans, and that humans could be a food source or you know whatever. Interesting yep. things to look at, things to play with. You know, it's a weird thing. How about that couple up in Maine that found their garden spade? Shoved up to the hilt in the tree, nine feet off the ground. <laughs> I mean, yeah, think I don't know about how to explain it. Explain that one. Yeah, yeah. Think about it. I mean, I think you guys heard a Bigfoot today, and it was confirmed by the guy with you, who just said, "Like, you know, hey, Kev, that was a freaking big fact." <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I, I said, I, and I, I had so to say, "Now get back out here and hit the ball, will you?" <laughs> yeah, you little sissy. At least stay between me and that howl. <laughs> so if well, he does Kim, come I'm out sure of the you... woods, I can outrun <laughs> you, buddy. <laughs> I mean, you took the words out of my mouth, bro. I was going to say, I'm sure you could outrun that dude. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, pal. Get out there and hit the ball. Go ahead, keep going. <laughs> Enjoy my golf clubs. Bye. <laughs> Here's another ball in case you need it. See ya. <laughs> uh, that is incredible. That yeah, really it was something else, man. Wow. Cold, dark, you, winter evening. You know, if you ever get a chance uh, and you're back at that golf course, is that someplace you've been before or no? It was my first time, but I will go back there. It was pretty nice. Yeah, I was going to say, man, you know, if you could... You know, if you really got the chutzpah to uh, do a little chatting with some of the people, maybe in the the clubhouse or oh yeah, raise, that's true. Ask them if they ever heard that before. Yeah, yeah, raise the bar a little bit. You know, because this is how I get involved with a lot of people. I instigate the conversation, uh, uh, knowing fully that people are going to walk away from me. Most of them would say that guy's a freaking weirdo. <laughs> but it's the only way to break the ice, to to get right into the heat of it, which is, do you, have you ever seen a Bigfoot? Do you hear mm-hmm. of any Bigfoot around here, any howling noises? Uh, you know, it's just the only way to do it. You kind of just got to eat crow and have at it, you know? I agree. I agree. Yeah, I, I'd be interested to hear if you go back there, if anybody says, yeah, well, you know, as a matter of fact... I got this picture here on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was my mother-in-law, but this had more hair than her. (laughs) And smaller feet than her. (laughs) So, brother, what do you got today in our cryptid? (laughs) (laughs) I can't even say it. Cryptids in the news and other oddities. Yeah, that's it. I'm here to help. Yeah, so we are going to talk about a recent article that came out in a lot of different periodicals. But I'm going to talk about the article that was in Nat Geo, National Geographic, on June 25th, 2021, about the Dragon Man skull. Did you see this one, Bill? I did not, man, but uh, have had it. All right, so this is pretty cool. So in in China, they discovered this giant skull that looks like a human skull, only it's much bigger. And, and like the back of it is kind of more football shaped rather than being round. And then it has like a ridge running across a pronounced ridge over the eyes, if you could imagine that. And then it has yeah. very large, almost square uh, eye sockets. Wow. Yeah. And it's big, too. You know, you're, you're describing like the head of alien. Yeah, not quite as distorted as the head of an alien, but this could be a Bigfoot. 
No, when I say alien, I'm yeah. talking about the movie monster. No, I know, I know. It's not as it's not as distorted as the uh, uh, movie monster in terms of okay. being that much football shaped. But just now, instead they, of they, being round, it's kind of you know a little conical. Yeah, there have the been back. findings. There have been some findings globally. They don't like everything else. They don't get much attention. Uh, of skulls that I'm visualizing look a little bit like the one you're talking about. Yeah. But how how big was this thing? Give me some dimensions or something. Well, I don't have the dimensions of the head, but they were saying that the creature that would go with the head would probably be at least seven seven and a half feet tall. Wow. So big. And it's yeah. it's like a it's not a human skull. Like it's not a a big human or something like that. Like in this article, and I'll put this article up on our website, bigfoottarandoids.com, they talk a lot, like, and the whole theme of the article is that the skull may be a new species, uh, may represent a new species shaking up the human family tree. So I bring this up, and I think it's super interesting, Bill, because, like, when we talk about cryptids that live under the water, whether it's in a really deep lake like Lake Champlain or the Ogopogo out in British Columbia, you know, a few of the others that we've covered, the Loch Ness Monster, etc. We have this mm-hmm. thousand foot deep body of water or you talk about something that lives in the ocean. It's, I think it's easier for us to imagine that creatures exist in the depths of water that we've never seen before. But we have a yeah. hard time, some of us have a harder time imagining that something roams the surface of the earth that we don't have physical a lot of physical evidence of. Right? Yeah. <coughs> Vis-a-vis the Bigfoot Yeti. Exactly. Exactly. Any and, age you know, determination on this? Yeah, like uh, uh, hundred and fifty thousand years old. Oh, so it's it's it's, it's fairly ancient. Fairly ancient. But again, mm-hmm. it's the one they found. So get this story of how it was discovered. This is this is as good as the finding itself, at least to me. So okay. apparently in the 1930s, a team of the local fo- folks in this northernmost province of China, uh, and, and the city is called Harbin in mm-hmm. northern China, they were building a bridge, a big bridge, right, in the 30s. And mm-hmm. right at that time... Uh, the Japanese invaded China, right, prior to World War II. We know the the history of the Japanese coming in and, you know, really being brutal with the Chinese, mm-hmm, taking mm-hmm. over certain parts of China. And this, one of the workers that was building this big bridge, Chinese worker in Harbin, China, finds this skull while they're digging the footings for the bridge, And he doesn't want it to fall into the hands of the invading Japanese. So back then in the 30s, he puts it in this deep well on his property, a water well. Huh. Yeah. And he Uh, doesn't tell anybody about it. Great hiding place, right? Fresh water, drops his skull down into the bottom. And then in the 80s, uh, or sorry, I said 80s, in, in 2018... Um, his grandkids or great-grandkids, whatever it is, they learn of the fact that their relative put this skull down the well. So they go looking for it. No one knew about it from the 30s until, you know, probably 2017, 2018. And they Mm -hmm. find the skull exactly where it's supposed to be. And it's in perfect condition at the bottom of this well. Well, I guess it was a dry well? No, it had water in it. Wow. But, you know, it's just fresh water. It didn't bother the, the skull. No, but, I mean, th- them getting it. I mean, what they oh, use, I don't like, know how they got it. I don't know how they yeah, got yeah. it. But, you know, yeah. it's like a well, like, you know, you could drop buckets down in and stuff like that. You're just not looking mm-hmm. for anything in the bottom of it other than water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they get this skull. They end up donating it to the museum. They have a bunch of uh, folks, you know, scientists uh, investigate it, and basically they're all saying this thing is spectacular. But the only debate is whether it's a new species or an extension of another species. Mm. Yeah, but it's pretty. Have you seen it? I Any did. Pictures? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it doesn't look human. I mean, it looks mm-hmm. like it's a 
a relative of human, but it's got these like brows, like curved brows over these large eye sockets that are nothing like a human would have. But it's uh, a dimension- full skull. Dimensionally, how big are the eye sockets, would you say? Oh, boy, I don't know. You know, I would say twice as big as ours. Wow. Yeah, that's substantial. Which is also interesting, you know, that. Yeah, yeah. And they're calling it the Dragon Man? They call it Dragon Man. Yeah, I don't know why. I guess, you know, Dragon, Chinese, something, you know. I don't know. But that's what they call it. You take what you can get, right? But too bad at that time they couldn't have spent any more time and uncovered additional skeletal remains if they oh, were available. Yeah. But Yeah, I'm sure you know. there was other stuff there other than the skull, right? Well, you know what, Kev? If there's one, there's more. Yeah, and more pieces, too. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, getting back to uh, remnants of Bigfoot, you know me. I've always said they bury their dead. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't mean that others haven't been found. You know, I also believe that others have been found. We just don't know about it. And if you think I'm a conspiracy theorist, there's conspiracies going on around us all the time, even today. So, yeah, I do believe in conspiracies uh, <laughs> to keep information from the public. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was telling somebody at work a while ago. If there were no conspiracies, there would be no need to have the word in the dictionary. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm laughing and const- coughing at the same time. That's all right. There's, there's constantly shenanigans uh, surrounding uh, findings of and, and people who think we should know or don't tell them or this and that, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I don't want to get sidetracked on that, but it just made me think of the... Uh, uh, the incidents of digging up a Bigfoot skeleton, and who knows how many of these dragon men were around, and he has just one skull found digging a bridge in uh, the north. The northern provinces of China are just like, there's nothing there. Yeah, not a lot there, for sure. No. So the odds of people digging there, uh, which is why I always say, you know, maybe if they uh, they build a shopping center at the base of Mount Oki, you might find a Bigfoot buried there when you're using your backhoe. <laughs> but other than that, I don't think you're going to find one digging around. Right. Wow. Right. Wow, that's freaking incredible. So it's cool stuff. You'll be impressed with the pictures. Again, I'll put them up on the website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. And uh, it's a great article, and there's other articles out there too, but great article in uh, National Geographic on their website on Dragon Man. Wow, that's freaking crazy. Dragon <laughs> Man. You know, and where is it now? Where is it being looked at? It's in a museum uh, somewhere around there in China. So the family uh, donated it to a museum, which is fantastic, you know. Yeah, so yeah it's a good not, thing to not do. Not in somebody's pro- garage. Right, to protect and preserve and let... I mean, like your garage, Bill, with all those Bigfoot skulls. Like, someday, (laughs) you got to donate them to a museum. Yeah, yeah. And the Bigfoot on the Harley. Well, yeah. (laughs) You know, you got... Yeah, it is, it's got to be. You know, he's got... He belongs there. (laughs) Uh, (coughs) Unbelievable. That's incredible, Kev. That was a great little uh, find. It's kind of cool. I came across it, and I was like... All right, I think this is going on the podcast. This is pretty cool. Yeah, talk about an oddity. No doubt. You know, and by the way, folks, if you're new to the podcast, uh, yeah, we are Bigfoot Terror in the Woods, and I'm going to get into an account here uh, pronto, but we're kind of digging on everything and anything odd and unusual uh, in addition uh, to the Bigfoot uh, creature, which is number one on our hit parade. But uh, if you like that kind of stuff, you're going to hear it here. And Kev just gave you an excellent demonstration with the Dragon Man. <laughs> That's cool, Kev. So I got a really good account here. And, you know, all of the accounts are good, in my opinion, Kev. You know how I feel about this stuff. And this is somewhat brief, uh, but interesting. 
And uh, it was brought to my attention by a fellow named Mike West, uh, as an East West. And he was a hiker from Northern California. And this is what Mike and his buddy Hank saw while hiking in Oregon. So once again, people see something because they're out there. And wait till you hear what these guys saw. In the summer of 1979, my friend Hank and I headed up to Oregon to hike the Eagle Cap Loop via South Fork Imnaha to Kettle Creek Trails. I know it's a mouthful. Uh, if any of you folks know the area, that's great. Uh, again, Eagle Cap Loop via the South Fork Imnaha to Kettle Creek Trails. That's the area they were hiking. Now, I know it's a mouthful, but that's the name attached to where we were. This is what uh, Mike says. This trail is located near Halfway, Oregon, and is slightly under 40 miles in length. I would not recommend this hike to anyone except the most experienced of hikers. You are following a magnificent loop through the Eagle Cap wilderness while circumnavigating Eagle Cap itself, which is a magnificent spectacle. There are spectacular views which abound in every direction as you make your way through several glacial valleys and over three different mountain passes. There are also numerous lakes along the route where one can take a swim or fill your canteens. By the way, Bill, I thought I would just throw a bone your way, having read volumes one and two of your series, by saying this. Nobody ever gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to encounter a Bigfoot today. At least nobody that I know. So kudos to this guy. He's sharp as a tack, and uh, he's referencing something I had said. So now he says that I have hiked more than a thousand miles, much of which was done right in the crux of where these creatures are said to live. And in all of those miles, I hadn't seen so much as a single indicator of their existence. How about that? For those who read your books, I'm sure there are more than a few who think this is a lot, this is a lot of hokum. And I get that. But when you see one, or in this case, two, for yourself, everything changes in an instant. We had spent five arduous days hiking this trail while stopping to camp at Horton Pass, Crater Lake, and Little Fraser Lake as well. As we were navigating our way down Little Creek through all of the lower switchbacks, everything was extremely overgrown with brush and bramble, while piles and piles of bear scat were everywhere. Now, we didn't see a single bear in spite of the amount of crap we had seen, which reminded me also of people saying, why don't we see more Bigfoot? To which I say, if I can't see a bear in fairly open country where I can see for miles and have seen a hundred piles of crap, what are your chances of seeing a Bigfoot? How about this guy? I love this guy. So, on the day of our sighting, we were following the trail through a valley of golden-colored grass with the sloping side of Eagle Cap in full view. This entire valley, as well as most of the lower slope of the mountain, was spotted and in some places covered with spindly-shaped pines. They looked like spearheads dotting the landscape. At some point, as we were hiking and ever looking forward on the trail, we spied out a herd of elk walking way up on the slope ahead of us and heading towards a cluster of these trees. I would say the distance may have been a mile or better that we were looking. And it was after maybe 15 minutes or so 
that we were perhaps only 200 yards from the trees we saw the elk go into. I was actually looking in that direction, hoping to spy them out, exiting the trees or within them. I mean, that's why we were there, to enjoy nature and take in anything that it brings our way. Just a few minutes later, we were only maybe 50 yards away from the edge of this tree line as several elk began to move out into the open from within the trees. Both Hank and I slowly squatted down on the ground to watch. I don't think that 30 seconds had elapsed when the herd suddenly began to run, which immediately made me think, bear attack. A large grizzly, given the right circumstances and advantages, can actually run down and kill an elk. I expected at any moment to see a bear come running out in pursuit, if it hadn't already made a killing within the trees. But what happened next was off the charts incredible. We had to have seen several dozen elk leave the trees at full tilt as we now stood watching the back of the herd. As the last one cleared the tree line, perhaps a hundred feet or less behind it, emerged a huge brown Sasquatch, running at pace with the elk. Within seconds, all of the elk and the Sasquatch had once again disappeared from view being blocked by some trees to our left. And Hank and I launched to our feet in the hope of getting this all back into view. We dropped our packs as we ran, and within maybe 40 yards, we could see the Sasquatch in hot pursuit. The elk scattered in every direction, but the Squatch had to have been running 30-plus miles an hour and was not giving up. The action was leaving us quickly, going into the distance, when we saw a second Sasquatch come running out into the fray of elk. There were now two of these beasts running after the herd. What we saw played out for maybe 15 seconds or so, before all of the beasts had run into the brush and trees out of our view. That was including the two Sasquatch. We kept looking and hoping that we would either see the elk or the Sasquatch again, or perhaps hear something, but nothing occurred. We stayed there for almost half an hour before we saw some elk up at a higher elevation walking along, and that was it. Not wanting to stay in the neighborhood with two Sasquatch looking for food, we hightailed it out of there. I don't think either of us ever hiked so fast and hard in all of our lives. If I may, Bill, I'd like to say something to all the people who may either hear or read what I have just told you. People think that they would like to see one of these creatures and take a few selfies. When I tell you that I was fearing for my life, that is an understatement. In hindsight, it was actually foolhardy to run into position trying to get a better look. <clears throat> the speed at which the first creature was running, coupled with the second exiting the woods like a rocket, left me thinking that if one of these creatures was next to you on a trail and decided to launch an attack on you, you would be dead in the blink of an eye. This is coming from two men who were very well armed. A man or a woman would not even have time to reach for their gun before the beast prevailed upon them. The second creature had come out of the timber like a motocross bike leaving the starting gate. It was an incredible burst of speed and strength. It is also my opinion now, having read some of your own accounts as well as those of others, that this is exactly how many missing persons have met their fate, being caught completely unaware 
as well as being in the wrong place at the wrong time. The first Sasquatch appeared to be at least several feet taller than a large bull in the herd and actually dwarfed some of the smaller animals. This is the way the whole thing went down, Bill. And I am sure they got what they were gunning for within the trees. But we weren't going to find out. What do you think of that, Kev? I like, he sounds smart, him and his friend. Uh, I, I'm sure they got what they were gunning for in the trees, but we were going to find out. <laughs> yeah, and you know. Get out of there. Pain, yeah. Painfully. He went through his own thoughts about during, before, things he's read, things he's heard. And I I like that he reminded me that nobody gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to see a Sasquatch today. Right. He realized. If you do say you're going to, if you say you're going to, it's not going to happen. Well, you know, it said another way, you can't plan it. Yeah, and the fact that he was being so uh, uh, obvious about having come across thousands of piles of bear crap and having seen no bear, it just stands to reason. It's not an easy thing to do. Right. Uh, So kudos to this guy. I mean, what an excellent account. And two... I mean, his description yeah, of two two Sasquatch in 1979 out in Oregon. Yeah, yeah. very cool. And how about the guy saying the, he's, he's probably hiked a thousand miles? Well, yeah, he definitely covers a lot of ground, and I hope there won't be a geography quiz on all those different trails he referenced. Well, he he knew where <laughs> Eagle we, Cap Loop and uh, everything else. Yeah, I mean, he knew he knew the area. And uh, armed and realizing, coming to the realization after seeing this, these two Sasquatch running after these elk, that if you were walking on a trail and one of these things had its mark on you, you're dead. Yeah. It's as simple as that. You are dead. Yep. You're not going to outrun them. You're not going to have time to think. You're not going to have time to pull your gun. Uh, you're just doomed if they want you. Yep, so, agree. Incredible, man. Scary stuff. Really? That's why I don't want to run into one while I'm on a hike. Yeah, yeah. Frightening, man. Absolutely yeah. freaking frightening. And there you have it, man. I don't mind. You know, like if I saw one out in a field while I was in a car, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, well, you could slow down and, you know, hit the gas if you had to. If you had to, yeah. Uh, just incredible. Yeehaw, man. Yeah. Great account. Yeah, incredible. Uh, Mike West and his buddy Hank over in Very Oregon. Cool. I mean, Kev, a 40, mi- 40... What state was that, Bill? That would be Oregon. <laughs> Oregon. 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 <laughs> or Oregon. Depending, <laughs> depending, you know, whether you're from Long Island... Or where else, Kev? Montana. Exactly. <laughs> Big sky. Big sky country, brother. <laughs> you know, uh, it never ends, does it? You know, with the Bigfoot accounts, the variety, uh, how and why people run into these things. Now, you're on a golf course today. And you hear this howling. So you didn't see anything, but you heard something a few times over the course of 15 minutes. Yep. Uh, Who knows? Because now your eyes are open. You're thinking about these things because of what we do. Uh, You don't know. You may, at some time in the future, uh, catch a glimpse of something or find a couple of nice sets of footprints going one of these places you hike. Uh, And you'll be looking. You'll be one of the ones who sees something because they are looking. I'm definitely looking. Yeah. Partially for self-defense. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that, man. And that's part of it, isn't it? 
Oh, yeah. Eyes wide open. You know, it's like being on recon in the jungle, you know. Uh, I'm never asleep when I'm driving, walking. I'm always looking. I got my head on a swivel. And uh, it's just the way I live. I don't know why. I just do that. You know, it's just who I am. Yep. But I get it. I got people walking into me in the hospital looking at their cell phone. I mean, literally oh, walking yeah. into me. They don't know where they are. Oh, well, that's that's that can be true anywhere, too. You can go in a national park now. As long as there's cell coverage, half of the folks walking down the trail are looking at their phone. Right. You come here. You're in a beautiful, one of the most beautiful places in the country. And while you're there, you're looking at your phone. Yep. Yeah, that's bizarre. It's a different man. era. That's bizarre. Different man. era. All right, brother. What do we Not got? Not necessarily better, but definitely different. Definitely different. <laughs> well, I think that their outlook would change if they saw a, a Bigfoot leaving the tree line like a motocross bike leaving the starting <laughs> gate. <laughs> no doubt. Look out! <laughs> All right. Well, we got some good letters this week, Bill. All so right. we're going to go to Susan in North Carolina. All right. And she says, strange experience in the North Carolina mountains is her subject. Wow. And she says, hi, Kevin and that other guy. <laughs> <laughs> she says, I had to write to tell you about an odd experience my son had a few weeks ago. One night, while talking, he suddenly changed the subject and said, Mom, what animal can throw rocks at you? Mm. She says, I was stymied for a second. Then he told me the following story. Mm. He's a student at Western Carolina University and lives off campus. And Bill, Western Carolina is in a town called Cullowee, North Carolina, out in the western part of the state, and really in the middle of nowhere. Okay. I've been out there for like marching band competitions and stuff like that when the kids were in marching band. And uh, it's a beautiful area, but there is nothing out there. Right, right. So not shocking that this story comes from there. Uh-huh. And he says he and his roommates made a late night trip to their rented storage building on the outskirts of town near the river. There were about five young men there and they were moving their items into the building. Something began to throw pebbles, one at a time, on the roof right above them. Huh. Each pebble hit what sounded like the same spot over and over again. There was no one else there, and they walked around searching for the culprit. They could see each rock come from the wood line on the hill above them and hit the roof over and over. Spooked, they brought out pistols, saying to whom might be listening that they were armed and prepared to shoot if necessary. Uh-huh. The rocks continued coming, even when the two weapons were plainly displayed for anyone to see. When the guns didn't deter the rock thrower, the young man locked up the building and left, rocks still coming down, one by one. My son stated that the precision of the rock strike was incredible. He doesn't believe in Bigfoot, but it sure got him thinking. To my knowledge, they have not been back to the storage building at night. I sure do love the show, and I'm buying books for Christmas gifts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please don't review my last name. My son would be furious at me if his other buddies thought he'd be hanging with Sasquatch. <laughs> Thank you for the great show, Susan. Yeah, now, Kev, I contacted Susan, and I haven't heard back from her. Susan, if, oh, you're, okay. if, if you're listening to this podcast, I'd really like to talk to you in person and perhaps even talk to your son if he would be willing to talk to me. Uh, but, you know, my friends, if you don't believe in Sasquatch, what exactly do you think in the middle of nowhere was lobbing little rocks onto the roof with precision? Well, and especially kept doing it after they took their guns out. That's right. That's I mean, a good test. I mean, do you think a man's going to stay there when you might ratchet off a few rounds just randomly into the woods? I wouldn't. Not not me, because it's always a good excuse in Western North Carolina just to fire a few shots into the woods. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you know, this area you're describing, Kev, it sounds to me like they just carve an area of woods out and put a driveway in to make a place for the storage facility. Exactly. 
you know. So other than that, cheap land, cheap land close to the university where they know people are going to want to store stuff. Perfect. It's a money maker all the way around. Wow. All right. And we get a letter in, an email in from Jason from Oregon. Hmm. And he says, greetings from Oregon. Hey, fellas, I just want to drop a note about the latest podcast. Billy Gibbons was the guitarist from ZZ Top who recently passed away. And the song in question was LaGrange. <laughs> As for WJ's comment about a three-piece act that sounded so good, I highly recommend a certain band from up, up north. Rush, my personal favorite. <laughs> Loving the podcast as usual, and I was surprised to recently hear W.J. properly pronounce the great state of Oregon. (laughs) That said, I acknowledge that by commenting on that very fact, I may never hear it pronounced that way again. (laughs) Thanks for all you guys do. It really does bring a lot of joy to my life. Jason in Oregon. Yeah, so let me say this to Jason. Where does he live in Oregon? (laughs) <laughs> you know, Kev, several different people have all, all commented on a different member of the band having died. So if that's the case, the entire band is dead. <laughs> no, I think it is Billy Gibbons. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. Three different I agree people. with Jason. One named a bassist, one named uh, Billy, one named a drummer. So I know. I saw, I saw those letters, too. It's kind of, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're trying to trip us up. <laughs> if you got folks, the it's not time. that hard to trip us up. You don't <laughs> have to work that hard. Well, now I might be mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me know. <laughs> I love that stuff, man. When I first heard them, uh, what was the album? Uh, Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers. That was I, the first one that be, came back. Yeah, it was a long time ago, man. They're good. They're good, though. Yeah, and then you see them, and you're like, "All right, this is cool." Yeah, <laughs> couple of good old boys. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Well, Jason, no. rest his soul. Yeah. Billy Gibbons. We're glad you chimed in with us, Jason. And uh, I commented to Jason that uh, Rush wouldn't have been my favorite. <laughs> you know, Bill, we didn't talk about that, but I'm not a Rush fan. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, I, I, okay, they're great, but uh, I, I've never had a Rush album, CD, record, whatever. And you know, Getty Lee, like, I'm sorry, I'm just not a big fan. Do you have a? Hey? Fa- do you have a favorite, Kev? If somebody said to you a favorite band of all time, can you name just one, or is it? Is it, a, is it a handful? I could I could name one. I could name one. All right. What would that be? Led, Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin, favorite all time. Favorite all time. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. See, I, I, mean, I, I only regret that, like, I never got to see them live. Uh-huh. You know? Like, I think that would be unbelievable to see Zeppelin live. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh... You know, it, it's funny, not to get sidetracked, and I won't stay on this. You know, Jimmy Page, when he formed that band, uh, he wrote up the paperwork. You know, he's a pretty smart guy, pretty stupid and pretty smart at the same time. Uh, he wrote up the paperwork. It was my understanding that he owned half of the band. Oh, really? Like 50% of the worth of whatever would happen, you know? So as it went forward, you know, I guess he cleaned house, you know. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? How about you? Favorite band of all time? Uh, Well, I'd have to say that I have a lot of them. Uh, I think the Beatles. Yeah. I I would have guessed you would have said the Beatles. Yeah. I have a lot, too. Don't get me wrong. But I just think, like, Zeppelin was just, like, way ahead of their time. Yeah, and, and different categories, too. Like, you know, I have yeah. my favorite Motown stuff. Uh, sure. I've got the Brits. Uh, and and more of them, I think overall, uh, like uh, a band like Zeppelin, a band like the Beatles, had a lot of work. There are a lot of bands that I really liked a few pieces that they did. Right. Uh I was a big Bowie fan, Jethro Tull, Marshall Tucker, 
Leonard Skinner. You know, uh, there's tons of them who I like a lot of what they do. Uh, But overall, for a giant uh, catalog of work, uh, there's only a few people that have accomplished that, you know. I agree. So, uh, awesome. Good stuff. All right, we're going to go to our last letter, Bill, from Clayton. He doesn't say where he's from. And the subject is Pigman. Oh, the pig. <laughs> In reference to our last episode. Uh-huh. He says, if I catch Pigman wandering around my woods, I'm going to turn his butt into pork rind. <laughs> Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Yeehaw! And by the way, flamethrowers are now acceptable. <laughs> yeah, if you God got- <laughs> bless the USA, Clayton. <laughs> Well, listen, Clayton, if you're going to make him into pork rinds, you're going to have to have a flamethrower. <laughs> exactly. Roast him. <laughs> I love that Give stuff. Give him a roast. Yeah, that's really right, good. brother. Come really get good. some. <laughs> yeah, come and get some. I'm still awesome. Th- I'm still thinking about, uh, I want to say Yosemite Sam. Yukon uh, <laughs> Klondike. What was the guy's name, Kev? No, Yukon Cornelius. Yukon oh, yeah. yes. Cornelius. Yeah, I can see his. You face. know this Bumble's hungry. Come on now, put a little heart into it. Oink 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 oink. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that's a great podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for those five star reviews. Keep them coming. If you haven't given us a five-star review lately, please do so right now. It's virtually the only means we have for luring and bringing new listeners to our podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, and if my buddy uh, Deacon Warren is listening, I hope you're doing okay, Warren, all right? And folks, keep praying for my wife. Uh, She's doing better, but do not stop. And by the way, if you should find yourself hiking near Eagle Cap Loop via the South Fork Imnaha to Kittle Creek Trails, you better take Mike West's advice, my friend, and always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. Thank <laughs> you.